all he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. This is a totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Rob Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb. Went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like the sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. He's going to get an Italian army behind him right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, and welcome to the Three Wolves of Football. I hope you are all doing well. I know that we are with eldest brother, Craig Wolfley. There you go, Craig. There you are, man. Yeah. Up there in the terrain, and we got uh, Ron Wolfley there, the middle brother. How you doing there, Pony? You know what's uh, always doing well, man? Upright and walking. Thank you, Lord God. There you go. Amen. Right off the bat. So we are the Three Wolves of Football. We are the boys of Orchard Park, and we certainly are the outsiders. And it's a, a good week for some, maybe not so much for others, but I think they're going to find some good things going on here. Some some hope is in the air. Uh, maybe they'll call the show the hope in the air. But regardless, what I want to get to first is, you know, it's – whether it's, did you really do that? Is it the stupid brother of the week? Is it the, you know, the mulligan? Do you want to do that over? Well, this week, I have to start out with it because it makes me laugh. It makes me feel good. And this week, honestly, we're going with the mulligan. And do you want to do it over Derry? Oh, baby. Let me see. Double down or do it over? Oh, I want to double down. Just double. I'm feeling lucky tonight. Let's double down. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, man, I'm sorry, but this is going to be a mulligan ever since the beginning of the show last week. So we're going to have to roll with this. Now, if you're in the audience, you're just listening and you're not watching, as Brother Derry, Brother Craig last week decided to have a background that was floral next to his floral shirt. Okay, so let's roll it. We are the three wolves of football. We are the boys from Orchard Park, and we are the outsiders. Okay, Terry, I got you. I can see, you know what, you change your background. I think you doubled down there, man. What's the deal, brother? You did you go with decide to go Hawaiian and say, listen, we need to, you know, go ahead and get that backdrop right there. Well, what's up? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, it re- it takes me back to when dad was looking at me one time when we were kids, you know, and he looked at me and says, can't fix stupid. I'm like, why are you, why are you looking at me, dad? You know, but, but, but then, you know, as I grew older, one of the things I've come to love is Hawaiian shirts because listen to me, and this is a factoid, fellas, that I found out over the years. The party doesn't get started until some fat guy shows up in a Hawaiian shirt. So there you go. So oh, you were... You are truly going to be the, the party guy, although, you know, and I think uh, you've done a pretty good job of holding your weight down there for the most part. Maybe Faith would think differently. What do you think, Pony Boy? Yeah, you know, I totally agree. First of all, you, you, I, I want to say a couple of things right here, Craig. Uh, number one, 
Um, I love the backdrop that you have up there right now because it looks like you're in the Appalachian Mountains somewhere in some cabin. And you can still actually see the flower print as well. You don't have your camera rolling up, so you can actually still see the print behind it. I got my ninjas. They said, the you know, try to were... dull down the background. And then, you know what? It just didn't work. And the fact you still haven't fixed your tooth, dude. You're like, like, this, is, this is a season-long is... thing, baby, right there. I'm no, learning how is... to whistle like you can't believe. No, this is... is Seriously, roll that deliverance music right now. Our fear, fearless leaders, we are the outsiders, man. <laughs> There's no doubt. Well, listen, hey, Pony Boy, let's not put all the attention there on Derry because this past week, somebody turned 60 years old and wasn't ready because you had a whole collage, a whole collage of people wishing you happy birthday. I didn't know you had that many people that liked you. Yeah. Yeah, no, Soda Pop. Uh, I knew nothing about it. Um, yes, I turned 60, um, no longer fat and 59. By the way, guys, I've lost 26 pounds. Taste it, man. Just taste it right there. Um, it's amazing what happens when you burn more calories than you're taking in. Okay. <laughs> you have a tendency of losing weight. Um, with, but with that being said, you can listen. Or should we ask Craig Wolfley and, and Dale Wolfley too? I mean, I feel like they should have a say in this, right? <laughs> They're both joining us on the Arizona no! Sports Line right now. Oh my goodness, guys! Good morning, my brothers. Happy birthday, bro! And I'm not going to bother you with a song because you know that we are a family of whalers. You know, we are the family everybody in church sits away from. So that when we're singing, that he thinks that they're singing with us. Oh my goodness, that's it. Soda Pop, are you there? I just got one thing to say, a message I want to share with all the Basinonians and my crunk brothers. Happy birthday, Pony Boy. You're <laughs> 60 years old, man. And, uh, you guys, thank you for the dive bomb. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, next time, please. what we do, man. Yeah, I know. We do. Well, let me know so I can slide the protective cup in next time, please. Okay, so was... we, we dive bombed you at your place of work, but we were not the only ones. I'm telling you, you had Dave Ash, you had all the people that were important out there wishing you a big old happy 60 there, Pony Boy. So, really, honestly, Soda Papa knew nothing about it. And Aaron Maloney, who is the producer of the Wolf and Luke show. And um, a future star in the radio industry, uh, she put that together. And the work she actually did on that, I got to tell you guys, off the charts. So just want to say thank you to Erin Maloney once again. I call her Mal, as in Keith Millard. <laughs> Don't ask about the connection. It just gets so strange, but it's so funny because Keith Millard, of course, was called Mal. So I gave her that nickname for the exact same reasons that Keith Millard had the nickname Mel. Okay, but it was great, man, and I appreciate you guys joining us. Did you get Hoopy on there? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hoopy came on, Craig. I cannot tell you how many people um, commented to me about Mom and just listening to Mom. And uh, you guys know that every day, so th if you just heard Hoopy for the first time on air with me, you think to yourself, man, this woman is putting this on, right? Right, right. There's no way. It was every day of our lives. 
That's yeah. who she was. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we love her as much as we do. Amen to that. Okay, we, we love you, Hoopy, and we're going to keep this moving because she's going to be watching this 10 times. Yes. She's going to hear Love you, Hoopy. Absolutely. So let's let's get out because we're the three wolves of football. So let's move on in to what I thought was some really cool weekend stuff with the Tennessee-Alabama game. Some old school stuff really fired up there. And got a couple things I wanted to show you. But the first one is this. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But enjoy it if you haven't. The Tennessee offensive lineman out there, he's look at not only does he vomit in front of national TV, but he vomits in front of the Alabama guys and he looks at it like it's intimidation. And he's using <laughs> intimidation to Alabama saying, Yeah, I'm vomiting. I like it. That is awesome right there. I just got to say this quickly, Soda Pop. You got to play this again, man. Just play this guy barfing again because honestly, to your point, don't let this fly over your head. I've never seen a guy do this, where he turned towards his opponent, projectile vomited, and then started talking trash. Yeah. <laughs> he projectile vomited, and, he, and the head started going up and down like, you see it? You see it? I vomit, and now I'm going to kick your face in. He's literally talking trash to them as they're breaking the huddle. I mean, you know, this is... This is legendary as far as I'm concerned right here. And let me also say this quickly. Back when I played, there was a guy by the name of Lawrence Taylor. Anyone listening right now that knows anything about football knows everything about Lawrence Taylor. Simply the greatest defensive football player ever to live. Maybe the best football player, in my opinion, ever to live, period. There were many guys who would throw up before they played Lawrence Taylor especially if it was a nationally televised game. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, what, I'll just give you a really quick vomit story. Maryland, <laughs> hottest day of my entire life. I think I dehydrated that day and then locked up. And Craig, I know you've done that many times. Yeah. Uh, that day in Maryland, Jeff Price, the center, starts throwing up over the ball. And I'm right next to him, so he's splashing on the ball. And then the nose guard starts throwing up. Okay, so they're going at each other badly. And and Major Harris, our quarterback, sister says, I'm not taking that snap. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, and he finally had to, and he's going to get the penalty. He gets up, he goes, okay, ready? He he did a slow motion, man. No, it was the vomit came up. (laughs) And he handed it off for a touchdown the Major Harris way. But again, is you know what? There's there's stories like that that happens during the the conflict, getting the heat going on, and it's. I just thought it was so cool that he was there, and he he was like, "Yeah, man, I just did that, and I'm coming at you." That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, continuing on that that whole theme, you know, watching that Alabama Tennessee game and seeing that crowd, and at the end, you saw them go ahead and tear down. The goalposts, and look at that crowd on the field. That felt like an old-school game. It was an instant classic. Maybe not to score so much with the 52-49, to 49, but it was, you know what, man? This is a rivalry. This is good for college football, and that's what I really thought about it. You know, Derry, and you go back to your days of school. I don't know if I've seen college football and, and, and the, the, the old-school way it was, that Alabama-Tennessee matchup, man. Well, what's your thoughts? 
Well, it was tremendous, and it's a great rivalry, absolutely. I mean, you've lost, what, 15 years in a row that uh, Tennessee took it on the chin from Alabama? Um, you know, that when, you, when you're able to have a r- real rivalry, and you can't have a real rivalry if you've been beaten 15 times in a row. I mean, you got to, at some point in time, you got to break through. Well, they, they broke through. All right. And so you got a great opportunity here to really kickstart for Tennessee, maybe getting a run here, doing some good stuff. You know, it's, it's funny because I was actually recruited a very little bit by Tennessee way back in the day. All I remember was, you know, just getting some letters from them and some calls met with the guy or something. But, you know, wasn't really anything much. But, you know what, Tennessee, you got to like it. You know, a good, a good friend of mine is Ramon Foster, who played guard for the Steelers for a number of years you know, in the new millennia here and, uh, you know, not back in the day in my time. And uh, he's a real Rocky top booster and he's a a radio guy down there. And I know he's just absolutely, if he could do flips, he would, but he's, he's a little too heavy to do flips. Yeah. For me too, just watching the game guys, um, you know, a great game, obviously Uh, not my brand of football. It it just really is not Uh, 52 49 right now. I love the struggle and I, I, I don't know, if you guys feel the same way, but for me, I love the struggle. Uh, it should be hard to play the game of football. It should be I. It should be difficult to move the ball down the field. Uh, um, I, I love a great punt, and suddenly the defense, you know, backing up an offense into the brown zone with the punt, and the defense coming out and stuffing <laughs> the offense field position where it matters. Every play is critical. Nobody can make a mistake. It's a struggle to move the ball. I happen to enjoy that. You give me a 21-17 game. You give me a 20-14 to game. You give me a competition where it's a struggle in all three phases, and I'm okay with that. Okay, well, no question. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to sit there and say, hey, man, if you – that was 52 to 49. It was guys making plays left and right, uh, doing what they had to do to win the game. So I agree with you. I like old school like that. But again, you know, you get a high scoring game like that, just going because these are young men. These are young men. And on any given day, anybody can win. And, and that's been proven out. So I, I can go with all of you. Go ahead, Derry. Well, think about this. So, I mean, you know, there's a transition point here. I, I, I loved the 14. 14- the 14 to 10 game, the 17, 14. I love the, 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 the standing across from each other and finding out who's going to be the better man three hours later. You know what I mean? Cause you, there's two scoreboards. There's one for the fans, you know, and then there's one for you. And personally, you're one-on-one with whoever you're playing against. And those are the things that I, I found so attractive about football, that violence inherent in the game and the fact that you have the one-on-one encounters and everything else. But one of the distressing moments came to me, and I remember this was a number of years ago, because you've got these spread offenses all over the place. And sure, I understand there is some ex- there is excitement with, you know, the uh, sort of, you know, pinball wizard type of scoring that, that it accompanies this. But, you know, when they would get to the low red zone, I'm talking about from the one to three, four yard line, right? And then you'd see a, a walk-in touchdown with nobody even hit the ground. No, are you kidding me? I mean, the goal line, the art of the, the, the offensive lineman on goal line was turning the head and marinating the ribs with your knees, you know, <laughs> cross face that guy, move his head, his head 
will you turn his head, the body follows, and then you get the wedge up in there. It, it was punishing. It was brutal. It was archaic, and it was wonderful. You know, I mean, it was just an awesome time of, of football. And the only thing I want to say quickly here is, you know, the the football universe, once again, is suffering from a lot of fantasy football players. And I'm just telling you right now, you're ruining the game because basically you've got the NFL that are, the NFL is changing the rules of the game yeah. to fit fantasy football. And I got a problem with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get back to the NFL, let's do one more thing in college because I really want to talk about the transfer portal because it's so easy to go ahead and get out of where you're at. So easy to get out of tough circumstances. And I know we, we've all had stories. And, you know, I'm going to go with you, the oldest, Derry, because when you went to Syracuse, man, right out of Orchard Park, out of OP, right it was not the, yeah, it was not the easiest thing for you, though, because they were expecting someone, I think, a little bit bigger, if I recall right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, everywhere I went, it was like people remind me that, I thought you were bigger. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I was not really big for a college offensive lineman. I was, what, 6'2", 235, 240 when I got there, you know, and it was, it, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, it seemed like all the coaches were like, except for Jerry Angelo, who recruited me, right? And he said, I'll put you up, put this kid up against any of you guys. And, you know, I appreciate him so much. I owe Jerry Angelo so very much. The guy was just an awesome dude and a great coach. Uh, he was also the GM of the Chicago – no, he was the president of the Bears at one point, I believe it was. And he GM was GM, GM too. Yeah, GM. Yeah. And, yeah. The- and so, and, and so the, I, you know, just have a great love for Jerry. But, you know, yeah, the other coaches were like, you know, he's not very big. <laughs> you know, and it was just kind of I, – I, I got the feeling like some of them were like, you should send this kid home. Well, you know, that's the, the truth, brother. And the thing is, is that not only did you stay for training camp and you got to college, you started your freshman year, I believe, at tackle. And, and you know, you eventually turned into that all-American offensive lineman at the Q's, man. And it's like, how wrong are so many people? And and I go, have to go with that story to, to Pony because it would be easy for you to have transferred up. You were this running back, and you're going to watch me here. You used to run like this, so tall, <laughs> so high. You were a tailback, and the transformation that you had to go through from running back in high school, Mr. All-Western New York, to Mr. Fullback, you know, two yards in a, a cloud of dust. You know, tell us about that a little bit, because, again, I, I'm trying to build a theme here. Sure. Well, first of all, I thought I was Eric Dickerson, okay? <laughs> just running straight up and down. Like, hey, look, everybody, it's a Ken doll. Um, that's number <laughs> one. Number two, when they recruited me, they didn't tell me they were going to move me to fullback, okay? that's that's They didn't tell me that. They they did that day three of training camp, by the way. Day three of training camp, here I, here I came in, and I thought, okay, man, they're going to pitch me the ball, and I'm going to run, and I'm going to get – I'm going to get the edge with my four six speed. You know, um, they moved me to fullback day three of training camp, and I was 198 pounds. 198. Now, guys, you know the power scheme I was in at that point in time. We're talking about power. We're talking about ISO, strong and weak. We're talking about toss. We're talking about pure brutality. Wham blocks. The trap game, 
uh, the belly plays, of course, but all these blocking assignments where I got in front of dudes who outweighed me by 30 pounds, 198 pounds, man. And that transition, I'll never forget going out my my freshman year into the spring because obviously I didn't play. And that was also the year you couldn't redshirt as a freshman unless you were injured. I was not injured. So I lost my freshman year. I went out there my my freshman year in the, in the spring where you guys know how brutal football was. And dad was home dying. Dad was, dad was dying in bed um, in 45 Hudson while I was out there on the field. And I got to tell so you everybody guys, knows he had leukemia. Yes. He got sick my freshman year, fought it valiantly for a number yes. of years, but yes. um, eventually it, it, it got him. And I, and I would go out there every day guys. And it was a turning point in my career because all I tried to do was transfer all of the pain that I felt dad was in and that I was in on somebody else. And if ever there was a sport where you wanted to transfer that pain on somebody else, it is the game of football, especially if you were a fullback back in 1982, 1981, where you hammered everybody in a north-south kind of way. And I, I used to get killed. I'd get killed out on the field. And my coach would pick me up, Paul Crisula. And, and, and this after I ran full speed into a guy and got knocked down and got up and did it again and again and again. That was a turning point, and it was used by Father God for me. It was used for my benefit, which to this day um, I thank him for because it taught me how to play the game of football and what I had in and what I needed to do to play the game of football. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, here's the thing that I'm trying to build at with the perseverance of the time of your life. And for myself, I really wanted to leave my freshman year. I felt like I was an undersized offensive lineman as well. Uh, Derek, I I felt it. And, and I could hear coach Mike Jacobs, you know, the, the offensive coordinator, my personal coach uh, at offensive or center and guard, uh, he was down. The, he was the OC for the two eleven old teams. He was tough as nails, and I he just made me feel lousy, lousy, and and like I didn't know what to do. But you, I hung through it, man. If the transfer portal was there, I don't know if I would have ever played at a national championship game. I don't know, Pony, if you would have been, you know, a dude that was in the NFL killing people on special teams, or you, Derry, smacking people around as an offensive lineman in the NFL, uh, you know, just because of the circumstances of now, it's so easy to leave and maybe go somewhere better. It's a, it, it might be there, but there's so many that don't actually even stay at the same level. And I just want to, because we are the three wolves of football, so this is a football topic that we have to think about because there are many, many young men that are thinking the grass is greener on the other side and because they think that they're second team and they should be first team, that they're not willing to hold out. Well, let me just say this. One of the distressing things to me over football nowadays is hard coaching is going the way of bell bottoms and eight-track cassettes and stuff. You know what I mean? If, If a lot of these guys today were coached like we were back in the day, uh, they'd be in tears, you know, um, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it, 
back then was a different time. And, you know, and I think the portal now is something that makes that escapability. If you don't want to muscle up and hunker down dog and go through it, now you have an opportunity to go. And I, I the only thing I say is, you know, it, it always looks probably, I would say, like it's greener on the other side, right? The grass is greener, but it's it's not always. And it, many times, it, most of the time, it's not. You, you got to stay. The struggle is worth the struggle. I would not be the person I am today if, mm-hmm. if I was simply handed a position at yeah. Syracuse. It was blood, sweat, and tears, and wash, rinse, and repeat on a daily, weekly, monthly, year after year after year to get where I wanted to go. And it couldn't have had that titanic struggle that it takes to overcome adversity in the odds. I would also say this right here, guys. Um, to anybody that is listening right now, some young crunk brother that is out there that has um, possibly had the opportunity to go somewhere or has the opportunity to go somewhere right now. First of all, it's one of the reasons why the decision has got to think about your decision. You get one shot of it. Think of it that way. You got one shot. Think of all the opportunities that might be out there. If you go to a school where, okay, maybe your friends aren't going to be nearly as impressed, but maybe it's going to be a good fit for you. I think I think the first choice you make, you got to vet those schools and you've got to use a lot of different variables and think of a lot of different things to pick the right school to begin with. And then from that point on, um, stick with it. Be convicted as to why you picked that school to go to. There should be good reasons in the first place. Stick with them. Uh, You know what? And that's exactly what I wanted you guys to say. So, Thank you very much. <laughs> I was going to move on to the Bills here, but actually. We're hey, gonna... but wait a minute. There was no pre-production meeting, so <laughs> boom. How about that, huh? Hey, hey, listen, three minds that think alike, but it's a little <laughs> bit different. You know, they say the, the Wolfies all walk to a different beat, but we all also walk to a different beat amongst three of us. So it, it's kind of unique, and it is those <laughs> under one theme, one thought process for once. But I guess I was going to go talk about my Bills, but I think this week uh, – Moving along here because we got so in depth, I want to get right to the Steelers because this is really cool. Long count gets the snap. He's back. Fires for the end zone. Touchdown! Wow! Oh, a little stop route into some zone coverage. What a great job! Mitch seen it. He just seen it, man, and he let it go. He sees it, then he does it. His his see do as Mike Tomlin says is terrific. Okay, all right. And that was Derry for all you people out there listening to the Steelers. And, of course, with Claypool and uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, making that play. For, I think that was a touchdown that went ahead in the box, right, to, for the winner. And you called it. And tell us what a C-do is. A C-do is when you see it, then you do it, right? I mean, that's the quick reaction. You could be linebackers. It could be a quarterback. In this case, like Mitch, sighting his receiver after he moved and then being able to laser throw that ball in there and, and rifle the touchdown in. But you see it, you do it. So there I am, I go, he, he, see it, you see it, you do it, right? Well, then I was reprimanded today by by uh, the video head guy, down Bob McCartney, down in the Steelers. He goes, that, that, ain't, that ain't the the Queen's English, man. What's the matter? Like, yeah, you know, this is 
this is what you call a fine Syracuse education, kind of like a crossed with, a, oh, maybe half a dozen concussions. You know, that's what it is. You know what's so funny about that? I just thought of it that you say that because, you know, so many people like Pash, man, uh, you know, are getting awards for, you know, they're announcing and uh, for uh, from Syracuse. And you're just the, the antithesis of it all. I mean, you're the opposite, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are the guy who's representing the Cuse, man, announcing and coming up with new words. You know, the funny thing about it, you got the uh, – the, uh, oh, I can't even remember the broadcasting school there. What is it? Man, it was – they were so kind. <laughs> exactly. I know. You didn't know me with that much we know. This, this is what – this is what short-term concussion syndrome looks like. Okay. I mean, yeah, here's the thing about it. They they were very kind. They asked if they could include me in their school of broadcasting, right? And I was like, well, that 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 would be fine. I said, but I want you to know a couple things. Number one, I never graduated. Number two, I never went to the school of broadcasting, okay? Bingo. I mean, what's the point? You know? But they do it anyways, correct? It's a great broadcasting school there. It's just unfortunate I didn't take advantage of it when I had the opportunity. We're gonna we're gonna leave that undefined there, Pony Boy. We're not we're not gonna put Syracuse in a bag. I, I do want to say one thing quickly though, not not in regard to Syracuse. Okay, the Qs. I still root for the Qs. I do. It's still yeah. amazing. Undefeated. I love them. They're great. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I still do. It's a, it's an amazing thing. But I want to ask you about Tom Brady. Did, what what were your thoughts of Tom Brady when you saw him? Because he doesn't look like Tom to me. No, he was uncharacteristically inaccurate. He was throwing the ball into the dirt behind the receivers. He didn't look like he was on top of what he needed to do. Very uncharacteristic of the GOAT. Now think about it. We had uh, four of our top secondary people out. I mean, it was an unbelievable deal. We had guys playing in secondary with name tags that said, hi, my name is, right? So that everybody could, they'd know each other. And yet they battled all day long. And for Tom Brady, I was really surprised because he was just not the guy. And I was even more surprised when it was revealed that he went to Bob Kraft's wedding. And he did that in place of being there for the walkthrough. And then you've got on the game, he gets mad at the offensive line. And he goes over and he reprimands the offensive line, which is not a problem. Nor If you're the GOAT. You can you, you get that carte blanche, okay? Yes. Except for if you did not show for the walkthrough. Now, I'm sorry. I, I don't take kindly to a quarterback getting in my face, all right, because I don't get in a quarterback's face. And, I, and, and frankly, I'm a little surprised that somebody would say, why don't you just shut up? You know, I mean, that to me, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, Tom is the greatest of the great, no doubt about right. it. But the fact that you – didn't come to, you know, that you decided to go by yourself to a wedding. And then, I don't know. It just didn't play right with me. Except, of course, when the Arizona Cardinals play him on Christmas Day. Let's hope <laughs> he throws four picks. Well, there you go. Well, I was happy he lost against the the, the Steelers, man, which I was trying to get at before we went off on, on the whole thing was just a real quick breakdown, Craig, because there are so many – things going on with the one and four Steelers and their backs were against the wall. And you said it with the secondary and you had Tom Brady coming in. That's a story in itself. And it's, and of course you got the Kenny with his first touchdown getting hurt, injured, and then Mitch has to come in, which was a bench. So again, so many things going on Steeler land, man. Give us a little bit of a brief synopsis of what's happening. 
Well, basically, think about it. You're going to the game without Minka Fitzpatrick in the backfield as you're the guy that really coordinates everything from the back end. You've got your top three cornerbacks down. Um, you know, it was it, it was just all set for Tom Brady to have the, a GOAT day. And, and the fact was, the week before against the Falcons, he had gone over 300 yards, which, as I said last week, you know, that was his 40th 300-yard game uh, after he turned 40. I mean, his his career is – you can't even begin to really quantify it because he has been so great for so long. So, seriously, him coming in, um, you think – you know, you're, you're down your you're your defensive – reigning defensive player of the year. Um, you've got some people nicked up like Cam Hayward who had an elbow and, a, and an ankle, you know. Um, there's just so many mitigating circumstances. And then your quarterback gets knocked out, you know uh, – about, you know, into the, what, into the third quarter. And Mitch Trubisky, who I can't say enough about what a strong-minded, true professional he was to step into the fray, come out there and be the pro. This is what he looked like in in, in 2018 when he was a pro bowler. I watched film of him in the offseason. I watched his some of his games from 2018. And you know what? This is what he looked like. Strong-armed, fluid, mobile. And I can only say that, you know, it looked like the weight of the world had been lifted from him and him coming off the bench and doing it. He was he was exactly what, you know, the Steelers thought they had earlier, you know, and it, it, it just he performed superbly. Well, that's awesome. And I got one question for you. Is Cam Hayward, is he the backbone and the toughest dude on the Steelers? Because I admire that man greatly and his play. You know, it's funny that you say that because – you know, Cam is the closest this city will ever see to Mean Joe Green again. Cam Hayward, Whoa. he is that. I mean, he is that that dynamic. He is a consummate leader. This guy wears wears leadership like water wears wet. You know, I mean, it's just inherent in his nature. Matter of fact, I call him Captain Cam all the time. It's just just part of who he is. You watch this guy when he first came in. What was it twelve years ago or so? You know, he by the end of the first week, he had fought every offensive lineman in camp, you know, at the end of the first week. So I'm standing there with Tunch, you know, and I say, I saw him and go, watch out. He might start on the alumni soon. <laughs> <laughs> you got my back. I got your back. Okay. <laughs> oh, know? very but good. The, the fact is, he has really ascended to those great rare heights of, uh, you know, uh, of being a pro. And um, I, I can't say enough good about him. And his off the field stuff. He just finished last uh, two weeks ago his seven acts of kindness. Each and every day he promoted an act of kindness leading up to a game. And, it, you know, he, he loves Jesus, and he's just a true man of God and giver of himself to the community and to other people. And I can't say enough good things about Cam Hayward. Strength. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, Pony Boy, so that leads us to move to the Cardinals, who did not have such a great day last Sunday against the Seahawks. And the one thing I can offer you, a little bit of a hope that gives you joy, I know, will be this. You can't cover Duke. You're not going to be able to cover him. Throw the ball up. That's what Kyler Murray did. He extended the play with his legs and just chucked that thing up into the air. Into the desert sky, baby. And D-Hop brought it down. Touchdown. Uh, For all of you that are listening, 
for all of you that are listening. That was D Hop making the final catch against the Buffalo Bear Bills. Excuse me, uh, last year, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I still have a hard time with that. The bus, the Bills go down, but with D Hop coming out, he's got activated this week. How much can this help Kyler Murray and the offense of the Cardinals? Because the defense looks still pretty strong to me. No, the defense is balling out, man. There's this is just inconceivable to me what has happened to this offense, boys. Um, coming into this season, I thought the offense was Super Bowl caliber, and looking at how many weapons they had on the offensive side of the ball, now they have been all banged up. There's no doubt about that. They've been banged up not only at the skill position, they've also been banged up, of course, on the offensive line. Rodney Hudson. Um, has missed three games, and uh, Justin Pugh now, their left guard is out. They've been all banged up, nicked up, yet at the same time, this this offense has been playing horribly. And uh, by their own admission, of course, they would tell you that. Um, it's, it's a situation where D-Hop coming back, I think, is going to help Kyler Murray vastly. I think it's going to help Kyler Murray in a huge way. I think this is going to be a situation where defenses, for the most part, have to align um, in regard to how they're going to defend DeAndre Hopkins. And because of that alignment in the secondary, you guys both know how important pre-snap read is to a quarterback. And I think it clears up a lot of the pre-snap read for Kyler Murray. I think it clarifies things, even if D-Hop does not get the ball. I mean, we all think of DeAndre Hopkins and the tangibles of DeAndre Hopkins being able to catch the ball with those massive hands he's got, being able to run routes. He's not a great route runner, guys, but he gets open all the time, okay? So he knows how to get open. Um, He's a guy that isn't going to run by anybody, but he's the best 50-50 ball catcher in the National Football League, in my opinion. He's more like 80-20. As a matter of fact, if you just throw it up somehow, some way, D-Hop is going to come down with the ball. And not only that, guys, he's got a swag bag that is this big. He's got swag that he brings to the field and a confidence that he brings to the field and a leadership that I didn't know D-Hop had. This is a guy that will walk up on anybody in the Arizona Cardinals locker room, anybody, and say, what are you doing, man? Knock it off. This is this surprised me that I found this out about D Hop. He does it with JJ Watt. Every guy that is in that locker room has a peer, including DeAndre Hopkins. I, I cannot overstate how important his presence is going to be and the way that it clears up coverage for Kyler Murray. And um man, I, I cannot wait to see what he's gonna do tonight. Yeah, so being the Saints that you're playing there on Thursday night. So what does the Cardinals have to do? To Can be- I just interrupt here for a second? Because did we just have a Wolfley brother refer to a swag? My yes. goodness. Come on. Yes. I, I thought we were old school here. Swag. <laughs> well, what but would you call before? Is real. What, what would you call it before? What's that? The swag. Oh, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't understand swag. I know, I know, I know. When I saw Joe Green eyeball to eyeball, I felt fear. Okay, there, 
That, that, that I'll tell you, okay? So I don't know if that's swag or if that's just plain, you know, you understand that there's somebody here who could probably tear you apart limb by limb. Okay. <laughs> hey, Charles, there you bro, go. Everyone knows you don't understand swag when you got that flowered wallpaper behind that? you I know. in your tooth. <laughs> I, I don't do swag, bro. I don't do swag. I love it, dude. I love it, Derek. Yeah. We must we got all kinds of issues. As Chuck Noel once said about a player in a press conference, he has issues and they are many. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we must clarify that you actually do have a fake tooth, but it gives you a lisp and you can't wear it. Absolutely. Here's the deal. You know, the dentist sits there and he says, Craig, it'll be great. You'll look better with it. And I go, it doesn't matter. I'm on the radio. Who cares? <laughs> oh, and that is the truth. But getting back then, you know, to the Saints, because I want to know what what do you have to do? I know D-Hop's back. That's awesome. I love it because I love watching him. Even what you, you call him, you say he's got like sickles for hands, which I love. You didn't even say that when you're talking about it. I thought that was going to come up. But what do the cards have to do to win against the Saints tonight? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, they got to run the ball, soda pop. Offensively, you got to come out and you got to look like the offense of the first half of 2021 when DeAndre Hopkins was out there and James Conner was out there. And James Conner, of course, is a question mark going into tonight. Um, they've got to run the ball, they've got to be balanced offensively, they got to get the ball out of their hands. Listen, um, Marshawn Latimer is not going to play. He's been ruled out. That is the one guy. If there was a guy that could walk up over D-Hop and do a decent job, a good job on D-Hop, I think it would be Marshawn Latimer. He's not going to play. And I realize there's a lot of people that are like, what are you talking about? DeAndre Hopkins hasn't played football in almost a year. And I understand that mentality, but this guy – This guy is incredibly talented. He understands football. He's a veteran. He's been around a long, long time. I don't expect to see anything. As a matter of fact, he isn't hurt, hasn't been hurt. This suspension, for the most part, he's got rested, fresh legs, if anything. Um, I would say bad news for anybody that's going to walk up over DeAndre Hopkins and try to guard him. Oh, hey, great point there. Absolutely. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, D-Hop, so I'm hoping for some big things today. Now, Derry, let me ask you a question. When you go into the game Sunday night against the Dolphins, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you, I need to pronounce Tua, the full name. Oh, I always wait for, for Bill Hillgrove, who's the play-by-play <laughs> guy. He'll say it, and I'll say, and, and I'll follow up and say, yeah, it's Tua and what Bill said. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I love saying it, guys. I, I love saying to his name, just Tonga by law, Tonga by law, Tonga by, because I feel like if you could say Tonga by law, you could travel anybody, anywhere in the world and somehow, some way, you could actually survive if you yeah. could just say Tua, Tonga by law. Tua, Tonga by law. There you go. Very good. And Pony Boy, I'm not surprised by your your line of thinking right there. So, very good. But Derry, finish up, man. What do you got to do to beat uh, the Dolphins? They're Sunday night. Can't wait for it. Looking forward to they it. They got to bring pressure. You know, they've got the ability to pressure Tua, and it's going to be interesting. Right now, um, Kenny Pickett, 
Uh, he practiced today, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen. He's got to get cleared by the doctors first. Um, either that, it'll be, you know, Mitch Trubisky, who knows. Um, but certainly, you know, they're going to have to contain to it, too. It was, he was on a, a really excellent roll before he got hurt, you know, the first time and the second time. And the guy is, is a great competitor, and they've got the Dolphins team. You know, the good thing about it, it's night. You know, if you saw last week, where the mini bikes beat the Dolphins in Hard Rock Stadium. On the Dolphins side, it was 92 or so. But on the other side, where the bikes were at, it was 122 degrees, which was a lot like in Phoenix back in the day at That's that right. stadium, that, you know, Tempe Stadium that we played at. And that, you know, that's that's a big break for the Steelers to play this game at night rather than the heat and sweltering sun. There's no doubt because I can remember you had the old-time Steeler jersey on and it was 120 degrees on the field. They showed it on the thing and you guys were melting out there in the sun. The Buffalo Bills, to me, after the Kansas City Chiefs game, that Josh Allen and the Bills, number one in passing, number two in points scored for offense, defense, number one in scoring, and they are in the top two categories. But they're number one against the run, number 11 the passing, number two overall to San Francisco. I think the Buffalo Bills are the number one team in the NFL at this time of the season. Any thoughts? Bring them up. The one thing I will say I was so impressed with, and I love this, um, Josh Allen took a picture with a young fan. After the game, he ran over. It was his birthday. And this thing went viral. And I've always appreciated the players that take the time to pour a little life into another life. And I, you know, all the greatness aside that Josh Allen is, because he's great. There's no doubt about it. This guy really has uh, great talent and everything else. But for him to take a football over to this young fan who was, I don't know, 10 or under, somewhere in that neighborhood, and then take a picture, a selfie, after that game, which was just a marvelous performance by Josh Allen, when he hurdled a defensive back, it's just incredible. And then to do that and have the presence of mind, because he had cited the young man with a sign that said, it's my birthday and I'm a Josh Allen fan. Will you take a picture with me? And he ran across the field. I, I just, what, what more can you say? That is, that's amazing to me. Yeah, Craig, I totally agree. Um, Josh Allen, I hear so many stories. Um, Lorenzo Alexander, of course, is a very good friend of uh, the family and a very good friend of the show with Wolf and Luke, of course. And um, he tells me stories all the time about Josh Allen. And Lorenzo, of course, played for the Buffalo Bills a couple of years ago. And um, Josh Allen is beloved in that locker room by his teammates, really um, a guy that uh, rallies the troops better than anybody else. And, you know, guys, as um, guys that have played football at a high level here, hey, listen, you know, so much of the time you're going out there, just do your job. You know what I mean? Control what you can control, do your job. Yet it's undeniable how a quarterback can impact his teammates and does on a regular basis. Excellent. Well, I'm going to tell you, fellas, I want to thank you. As always, you are top dog professionals. Uh, even Derry, as you make up words, and uh, C-Do and Pony Boy, and reaching out D-Hop with his, he's got 
you know, what is it, sickles, you said. That was the sickles out there for hands and reaching out of the desert sky. It's been quite entertaining and uh, really enjoyed your insight. And, of course, there's been nothing. You know, we can't do double jeopardy there, Pony Boy. I can't do dairy again for the floral wallpaper. The camera was either going up or (laughs) the backdrop was going down, but it kept getting bigger and bigger. What's going on? It's amazing. You can't believe the technical difficulty, you know. What are you going to do you know it is what it is fellas hey craig you know what give me the banjo it wasn't bad there buddy, buddy. all right fellas thank you so much hey, i love you guys have a great week let's go cars let's go steelers let's go mountaineers love you brothers love you brothers good job